0: We are in Champions League, man! Dilly dilly do come on! Into Sheringham, and go (laughs) Sheringham! I
1: will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach podcast with Gary Kearney.
0: Hello, coaches. Welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Joining us today is JP Nairbun, best selling author, leadership coach, and founder of the TOC Culture Consulting, a leading sports consulting and leadership coaching business. His mission is to support coaches, leaders, and their teams to achieve full potential. Published his first book in 2019, Calling Up, Discovering Your Journey. To transformational leadership, in 2023, he launched the Culture System online training program. Today, we're going to talk about a massive topic, aligning culture in a high-performing youth environment. JP has kindly sponsored this podcast, so please let's show our appreciation for that support by checking out his work. His website, tocculture.com, his book page, myculturesystem.com. He's got a new book out today, The Sports Parents Solution, and we'll talk about that at the halfway stage. Thank you for all your support. As always, here is JP. Enjoy. JP, thanks so much for joining me today on the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. Excited to have you on.
1: Yeah, it's great to be with you, Gary.
0: The topic is aligning players, coaches and parents in a youth environment and something that I'm sure you've seen yourself as the the last 10 years with so much investment, especially in the US, in youth sports, they're becoming now these miniature professional environments. This word alignment is talked about a lot. Uh, It's a big, big challenge, and we want to tackle it today. So the first question with your expertise, a lot of coaching courses on the soccer side are talking about this coaching philosophy. When coaches start this philosophy, they think about, uh, a lot of soccer coaches think about the Mourinho's, the Pep's, the Van Hal's of the world. Youth environments are different. So what makes a good philosophy or what do you need in a youth philosophy to be successful?
1: Yeah, one big thing is that it's yours. You know, I think a lot of times we look at what other coaches have said or their philosophies. or We look at other organizations and we try to take theirs and we need to understand ourselves first. And then from there, our philosophy can can evolve. So make sure it's yours. And then I think big questions to ask are obviously why you coach. You know that's kind of we kind of describe as a mission or a purpose in coaching. Just knowing that why, why why am I here? Why do I show up? Why? And that that can be very powerful at, at times when things are difficult. Maybe you've hit some tough tough patches, some some tough losses, or players are a little bit resistant and not buying in, or you got some parent issues. So you want to know why. And then, like I think, core core values is a popular word, but I, I would almost just say core beliefs or core values. Like, just and, and how can those be best expressed for you? Like, sometimes it's through some words like selfless and trust and competitive, uh, but you know, you really want to go a little bit beyond that. You want some principles that just kind of you kind of live your life by. You you, you live. You, you want your leadership to be led by. So those core beliefs help to guide our behaviors as coaches which is really where you when you know your why and you know what you believe and what's really important to you and then you use those to, to really understand how do i show up so why do we coach but well, then why do we coach the way that we do why do we operate this way and why do we interact with athletes this way well that is all influenced very much by
0: our core beliefs and and our and our, and our why this thing about making it yours I can see that being a challenge for a lot of young coaches and, and inexperienced coaches because uh, for example an experienced coach I think is always discovering themselves 20 30 years into this business they're still finding out things that motivate them or drive them or 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 move them in different ways with their mindset so a young coach has to go through some of that to find themselves it's easy to grasp on that I want to be like pep but it's it, it's it's really important to fight that and to find your own identity in this, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, there is really no shortcut, no process uh, for finding yourself and understanding. But it doesn't hurt to sit down and say, "Hey, why why am I signing up for this? Why why do I want to be a coach?" And to ask that often, and reflect on your experiences as an athlete and what what did you enjoy? What, what did you find valuable? What helped you grow? And then what, what, what was maybe held you back, right? In that regard. So, you know, I, I think that really what I would encourage young coaches and older coaches to do, right. You know, is, is that we don't just spend all our time in the X's and O's. When you look at someone like Pep or other great coaches out there and you read about them, oftentimes their reflections, they provide inspiration. You know we say, oh that resonates with me and then we, we we might take that, we might shape it to fit ourselves, whatever it's it's a principle and it's a way of being we, we we try to find those things and then bring them back to okay, what does that look like for me? And so it doesn't mean we can't take from others uh, that inspiration. It just means that we just need to make sure does that re- does that really connect with me? does it resonate and then to really filter it through that process.
0: Yes, brings us along nicely. This is something I've challenged in another uh, in another interview, where the you know it's it's not about the X's and O's, but at the same time, especially in the, in the U.S., the people paid a lot of money to be youth coaches. Mm-hmm. So surely we've got to put a standard on. If 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 my kid goes to a math class, I'm I'm trusting that that math teacher can teach him math. So we've got mm-hmm. to put an emphasis on. You know alongside how does the person align with competency of understanding the sport um because sometimes that can lead to you know if someone doesn't understand the sport and a player is challenging them on their perspective on it you're gonna have more problems with that mhm
1: yeah i I think what you're saying there is just just how do you balance the the tactical and technical aspects with you know the coaching philosophy behaviors more the soft skill type of approach, and I think at the end of the days, it's not one or the other, the, I think that we really can get into the tyranny of the oars. Jim Collins used to say it, which is, well, I'm either going to focus on that or that. And it's just picking one or the other. It's just recognizing how these actually go hand in hand, you know? So if you want, you know, you got some sort of tactical formation it might require selfless play or it might re- require real competitors or certain toughness types of things. So, there's actually a, a point where I think sometimes that tactical play should be influenced by your philosophy as a, as, as a coach too and how you want to play the game, what would be enjoyable. So I think they go hand in hand and you're know you you're definitely not just, just focusing on leadership, right? You want to be invested in both of those things. The reality though is there's way more stuff for coaches today on the tactical side of it, you know, to, to learn those things, the technical side. And um, so that stuff can be, where we really lock in when we're in tough points, you know, tough moments where the team's struggling, um, we try to go find that. What's the formation? What's the drill that's going to fix it? And we've forgotten about the connection piece, the culture aspect of of what makes that offense or that strategy or that formation so effective, right?
0: Yeah, I actually think it's the other way around. I, I you know, I see coaches. I see a, a multitude of of uh, books for leadership that coaches are when they're struggling with soccer problems mm-hmm. they typically go to read a book about something that has no relevance to their experience and, and I can see it like you think well if if a soccer coach is struggling on the field they need to get the other stuff right I think that we're kind of stuck a little bit in this here that they are the two of them seem to be mutually exclusive where it's relationships and the the specific of the like you say tactics, but I see it more in the in the game itself. Like there's the how you're going to set up a session. I think it's very very hard. Like, again, I see it all the time where coaches will put a you know it's great to take a picture of a group of books that you're going to read, but I look at it and think I I still think you're going to have a problem at the end of what you're you know I'm all for books. Listen, but it's again it's it's how do you to find a balance or get that sweet spot between understanding the, the context of your sport and then understanding the leadership and the personalities that go around it.
1: Yeah, I think you've made a good point, which is that people are either indexing on one or the other too much and they're not making them, bringing them in, in together. And um, I think the, you know, when it comes to the most effective coaches out there that I that I've seen, it's, it's that they they understand how those go together and they're able to bring those together. Um, you know, I think one of the big things that um, I really stress is that when when it comes to like culture and. Team and leadership development that needs to happen on the pitch, these happen on the field most of the time, right? It doesn't mean that we don't do team building stuff, team culture things, but the sport itself provides a lot of adversity and difficulty. So if you want to improve team communication, I don't recommend doing it in the classroom. I remember like the stuff that I really write about and talk about is, is about how what are strategies for teaching effective communication within the drills that you are already currently doing. So it's not like, okay, we're going to go to a classroom, we're going to talk about communication, and then we're going to go out there, we're going to work on the soccer skills and, and, and all that stuff. It's like, no, how do we actually incorporate that so that we're working with athletes so that they can learn effective communication, how to encourage, how to affirm, how to give each other reminders, how to how to give each other feedback and notifications in live play, because that's really what's needed. And I think so much, we try to separate those things, whether it's in books and literature or coaching courses, but it's how do we integrate them together?
0: Yeah, that's that's a great point, and I think that that you know you as a group of coaches, you'll inevitably start with the the philosophy of the club, but then you know a youth a youth club will start with the philosophy of the club, but then you go out on a Monday Tuesday night, and everyone's doing what they generally do anyway. What you're saying there is look for. Maybe there's a curriculum, maybe there's session plans, maybe look at that with a little bit more critical lens to see if you're looking for your values that you're saying you are in your mission statement. If you can bring those out on a Wednesday night, that would be a bit more effective.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think when it comes to the session plan itself, like, you know, things that what you would see on a lot of coaches that I work with in my work um, and I, well, my, what I want one coaching is, they'll have their non-negotiable behaviors, which should, could be, listen, complete uh, compete, no blaming, complaining, defending, right? So these are non-negotiable behaviors that are connected to their, their values, their core beliefs of what's really important. And so they're always scanning and working to hold those athletes accountable to those things. Uh, that's one thing on their session plan. They also might have, you know, individual success criteria for every athlete that they've worked with. And they've had these conversations that, Hey, what are you trying to work on? So they've been having conversations with their athletes shows up in their session plan um, within the session plan too. You know, it's like, um, you know, you've, let's say you've got different drills. Well, We talk about interventions so I can, as a coach, I can predict, okay, we're doing a three V three drill. Where do we struggle in this? Right. Sometimes it might be a three V three, but you know, you got to get so many stops. You're going to, it's like it's challenging mentally or physically drill. Okay. When they start to struggle, what is my intervention going to be? Am I going to, You know, call a timeout? Am I going to empower them to call a timeout to just break it up there? Um, Are we going to have resets or do-overs to kind of hold them accountable? You know, just when the athletes are struggling, how am I going to help them to self-assess and self-correct? So we talk about putting interventions in there. So these are all like leadership things that are impacting how do we support and hold athletes accountable while also co-creating the environment with them, right? So there's also things that you might see on one of my coaches that I work with, their 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 sessions, plans, which are creating a period of five minutes beginning of practice, five minutes to end of practice, where they might break off in twos or threes, and we give them a question. The question could be to get to know each other better, or the question could be like, hey, what's something you're working on in practice today? How can I challenge you, or how can I hold you accountable? Post-practice, you know, they're getting into those twos and threes. They're giving two-by-two feedback. What's something you did well? What's something you're gonna you're going to work on next session? each individual share. So within the session plan itself, there's all these different things to establish standards, continue to build relationships, and also, you know, support and enforce kind of the behavioral type stuff that we want to see in a session, uh, which obviously drives the technical, tactical stuff within a, within a practice.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, basketball, especially, I think with you're saying about interventions and timeouts, like there's an art in basketball. I know I used to read about Phil Jackson where you actually choose not to intervene and you choose to, to stand back a little bit. And that's something that I think, in, in co- again, moving from philosophy to coach philosophy, which we've done a great job as a soccer community building, I don't think we're really impacting philosophy onto what makes you different from me or my club different from yours. We're still... We've got these great glossy presentations. We're still delivering the same way we were 10 years ago. Well, what I what I hear from you is like, all right, we, you're, there's actually 50 ways in a session that you can manipulate the environment to get a little bit more out of that there, um, which can bring them closer to understanding what you want and who you want everyone to be, right?
1: Yeah, so what I really talk about is the philosophy must influence and align with my a how I show up and operate as a coach, my behaviors and also our system. And when I say that system, I mean, how do we practice? How do we start practice? How do we finish practice? How do we hold people accountable? How do we teach athletes to be always scanning and to communicating each other to each other there? So the whole philosophy must merge with the system. And in my study of organizational leaders, uh, organizations and leadership, like this is not just a sports thing. This is a thing that has driven the success of a lot of great organizations from, you know, companies like Toyota. They have a philosophy, but then everything that they do within their operation or business, right, aligns with that. Right. If they have a, a belief that says, well, we believe in continuous improvement. Well, they have actual procedures and processes in every Toyota plant that support that where people can stop production at a moment's notice and press the red button and say, Hey, we need to fix something here. So great. The best organizations out there, they don't just have great philosophies. They, everything in the system the procedures, the strategies, the methods, the which they coach, they train, they teach. That's all aligned with the, with the philosophy. And what you're talking about there is probably the biggest mistake that clubs make organizations make, which is, they come up with these great mission statements vision statements they put them on their website and they maybe even revisit them often but
0: they don't really align the system with that oh, 100% 100% so the the red button this moves moves us along nicely here the red button and toyota that's something that like it's almost crisis management for for a club or not crisis but like preparing for a setback or preparing for something that's going to be difficult to navigate around, which in youth sports would have to be like, one of them would be playing time, right? I mean, I'm sure every coach at every level is dealing with playing time issue in youth sports. So I guess the question I would have, how would you help a coach or what advice would you have for a coach to get from philosophy, um, to again the game model, a training methodology, and then this communication side around how would you how do you advise them to go through that?
1: Yeah, and it's not even so much for crisis; it's actually just do we have a system upon which people do we have a feedback loop here? Mm-hmm. So are people able to consistently point things out as issues come up? And so I mean, you know, it's 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 funny when I was watching Ted Lasso, he had this suggestion box on on the show, and players could put suggestions in there. We've been doing a Google form suggestion box with loads of the teams that I support for well before that, these years, just constantly sending out to players or to parents, just, Hey, you know, what are some issues that you see or what, what's an issue you see? And maybe what's the solution. Um, so you just, just constantly looking for, polling people, looking for feedback, allowing people to point things out. AARs after action reviews, after practice, Hey, you know um, just those moments where, um, you know, Coaches, players go around in a circle, point out, hey, what's something that we need to shout out? Some people celebrate. And then what's something we need to, we need to, we need to do some work on in the next session. And so coaches opening themselves up to a bit of feedback from the players and one-on-ones, but also in team meetings. So you're are you creating a place where people can communicate where they're seeing issues come up? You know, we we a lot of our coaches that I work with, they do a leadership group, and those leaders typically have four or five players they look after. And those four or five players are communicating issues. They say to the leader, the leader meets the the, the coach, and then the coach is able to work with the leadership group to, to deal with those issues. So you're creating all these feedback loops and ways upon which information can get to you. And a lot of times in most programs, coaches have one way that they're looking for feedback. And the reality is not everyone's comfortable in that method and it's not consistent enough it doesn't create create the loop. And so if you want to improve communication, it's really about setting up different ways upon it. So it's, it's addressing the whole system. How are we constantly open ourselves up to feedback and to pointing out issues that we need to address?
0: Hello coaches, we'll take a quick break here. JP's new book, The Sports Parent Solution is out today, November 21st. Are sports parents getting in the way of your team's success? If you're struggling with today's sports parents, you are not alone. Headlines like the following are common. How parents are ruining sports. The sports parents, we have a problem. The nightmare sports parent. JP's new book, The Sports Parent Solution, gives you the strategies and methods that you need to transform. The parent culture in your team, allowing you to better support each athlete's individual growth improve team performance and create an extraordinary experience for all involved and take your program and team to the next level. I got an early copy. I read it and I loved it. I highly recommend you pick it up today. The Sports Parent Solution. Get it on Amazon November 21st. Thank you. Yeah. What, what I really enjoyed when I went through a book and read it was the, it's very actionable. Uh, the Soccer Parent book. These are, these are, I get a hundred different ways to actually manipulate or modify your environment to create a, a better output than would be if you just left it alone. Um, But the but the one thing that that I that I that I struggled with, and th- and that you addressed there was like the feedback loop. If there's if there's too much information coming in, and and I really like the idea of of the the suggestion box, and I like the idea of the groups. But then you're thinking from a coaching standpoint, if that's another, you know, you you have natural sources of feedback, which is team performance and, you know, issues and stuff like that. If you add another 20 pieces of information coming at you, how does a coach, you mentioned there about processes, how do you process around getting all that information? And because you don't want to be the person that gets the information, doesn't do anything with it, right? So how do you make sure that you are effective in managing your own time with that?
1: Yeah, something I really talk about in my, my previous book, The Culture System, uh, and obviously I talk about the sports parent solution because we're trying to open up lines of communication there. We're really focusing on, we have periodic, occasional times that we're asking for feedback, and then we're looking at, okay, what are the three, two, three things that we can work on? So you're doing that through maybe some sort of Google form or some sort of anonymous survey type things. You're one-on-ones with athletes, right? That is... You know really getting feedback on what they need from you in in your coaching right and, and it would be some some part of that conversation so that's just helping me to make sure okay hey, this is what when i'm when I'm holding Johnny accountable moving forward or I'm hel- holding you know trying to support her like you know this individual like how can I approach that so you've got that one on one stuff the team aAR stuff like that's so much like you know what it think about this. The majority of coaches, they finish the session and they just stand in there and talk for five minutes. They don't get players engaged and players don't hear anything of that. You want players to, you know, it's not just about like, okay, what can the coach do better next time? But that's just getting them to reflect. And so it's just a genuine reflection. Hey, what came up for us today? What do we notice? And what are we going to work on to move forward? That should dictate, that feedback is instantaneous and should dictate how you might make some changes in your next session. So it's not necessarily like, you know, I'm going home and have all these things. But we, here we got this one pot of how can we improve, you know, some of our practice sessions here, maybe some cultural things that we got to address. And the leadership leadership group thing, you know, oftentimes if that's a once a week meeting, you know, you're probably tackling two, three issues tops, right? And you're not the only one re- charged with solving that issue. It's the, you're you're really trying to work with the player group to say, hey, okay, we have a prompt player showing up on time, or our energy has been low lately in practice, or, you know, We've got a few individuals that are really unhappy with their playing time. What are some things that we can do around this? You know, how can we address this? So you're really challenging them to be part of the solution process. And so when you put these little systems, the system in place and you have these different processes, whatever it looks like for you in your context, you're, you're actually saving yourself time and energy, you know, because you're not constantly trying to go out and put out fires. You're getting ahead of things before they become these big fires.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Berlin. The the piece on uh, that you talk about in the in the soccer in the, the parent book about bringing the parents more more communication, finding opportunities for conversations, and trying to make that relationship a bit more, I suppose, natural, less transactional. But the nature of sports over here is, and I'm a soccer parent myself now, and I I find it really difficult for it not not to be that transactional way. People come drink their coffee and, and there is a silo between the parents and the and the coach. And I I don't know whether yeah, from a coaching standpoint, it's easy from a parent standpoint, because I'm now in it and I can see, oh yeah, I can see how there's, you know, you need to give us more information or more feedback. But from a coaching standpoint, again that that challenge between more communication does more does more communication bring well, definitely more time. But does it bring more issues for a youth coach if they're asking twenty parents for feedback every week?
1: No, and I don't think you're at, the expectation is to ask for you know twenty parents for feedback every week. Which there's a few things that we're really trying to do when we talk about open lines of communication. Um, early on, can you create space where you have a chat with a parent, you know, parents of each kid? And it could you know, depending on the age group, it all varies, like how much time level of commitment, you know, a lot of the coaches I work with are collegiate division one, high school coaches, right? Well, it could be just getting to know their name, sitting down with them. We like, a lot of our coaches have parent athlete coach conferences where they sit down 10, 15 minutes after a practice, before a practice, something like that. And they just check in and just say, hey, what are their goals? You know, the athlete gets to communicate their goals. You can ask the parents in a conversation, hey, what, do, what are you hoping for your Senator Daughter's experience to be like this year. So you can have those conversations. Some of our coaches don't even have that much time. So send a Google form at the beginning of the year. What's your name as a parent? What are your, you know? What would be a great experience for your child? What do you want your experience to be like as a parent? Just a quick poll on that. And maybe you, you, you find some time to have a conversation with them for five minutes. You know, um, We have a lot of coaches do this in different ways, the way they schedule it out. So you try to early on in the year have some sort of individual connection with every parent. You want to know their name. You want to get to know them as a human being a little bit, you know, and just build that personal connection. Outside of that, you know, the big, you know, preseason parent meeting is a very popular thing. Uh, in the book, I go into a lot of different ways to, you know, uh, to uh, you know, make that actually an experience that people enjoy, like just incorporating a practice where parents are part of the practice. Something we've done at the youth level and Division one level at, at different programs, and it's been hugely transformative. So, you know, there there can be an element of just trying to make it a little bit more fun and exciting, but, but also just in there is just, I think a lot of times as coaches, we communicate the conversations we don't want to have. I'm always about like, hey, I've been an open door for these things. You know, when something, when your son or daughter is coming home and they're consistently unhappy, when something's going on at home, that actually might be helpful for me to better like support the individual if they're going through a tough time. Uh, if If you've observed something in my behavior that, you know, changes your opinion of me as a human being and as a person, like you can think I'm a bad coach, but if you think I'm a bad person, and I've gone against my core values. I want to know it. So, whatever it is, every coach needs to know. Hey, what do? What are the conversations I do want to have? And we need to be explicit about that. And we need to open the door policy because right now, we have a growing mental health crisis in the country. And the we as a coaches, if we truly care about the mental health of our athletes, we cannot continue to build walls with the most important person in their life, because there are consistently, time and time again, things that are coming up that. Coaches, parents, we're just not communicating them on. And if we were had better lines of communication, we could probably better support those athletes. So, you know, it's just really about setting that thing up. And then consistently throughout the year, one of the simplest things you can do is give parents feedback on positive things. So if I ever have a one-on-one with a player, one of my coaches have a one-on-one with a player, five minutes, 15 minutes, informal or formal. Just a simple text, a simple phone call. Next time you see that parent at a game, hey talking to so-and-so today. We had a great chat or we, hey, we were talking about this. This is what I really appreciate about them. Just give them some affirmation. What do you enjoy? What do you appreciate about the athlete? Parents love to hear that. So giving them that feedback. Doing that so that then there's that moment where there's an issue, behavioral issue, lack of buy-in. And now you gotta give feedback on that. Like, hey, just wanna let you know, we had an issue there in the last few practices and it's going to affect their playing time. They're, they've been pulled out of the lineup, right? but we've already made those deposits in there. And so it's just a simple thing. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's could be a, a 30, 60 second text. Hey, just talk to so-and-so. absolutely love the way that they've been competing in practice lately. They're getting a lot better, whatever it is. That will go a long way for the parents but also in building credibility with those athletes.
0: Mm, yeah. I was, uh, I was at a swim event last this week with my family and I was watching my youngest swim and a swim coach came up to the mother beside me uh, who was sitting with her other son and said that, that he came and apologised about something. He was obviously messing around before and then he did something, so he came and apologised and he was giving her feedback on his apology and uh, I actually thought it was really powerful. She's like, he did a really good job saying sorry about that. And he also addressed this. So I thought, as we maybe think there, whenever you're you're saying there, when you're looking for little bits of feedback about the character, then it doesn't have to be about, you know, I think as coaches, you want to give them good feedback about their game. But then whenever things don't go well, you're going to have well their attitudes not good enough. So it becomes mm. this, we've been doing this for 30 years. You know, I just don't see well, I think what you're saying there is get be be a bit more deliberate about being different about the types of conversations you're having.
1: Absolutely. And every coach that I've worked with in this will tell you that their their conversations with parents have actually declined. Because when we're proactive and we get upstream, we have less issues downstream. And those conversations downstream are less heated. Because we've made deposits, we've built, we've opened up lines of communication, and the parents come quicker. Eventually, you know, if a parent has an issue with something and they hold on to it, they're still probably going to come to you. It's just going to be three months in the season instead of one week into the season or one week since that incident. And all of a sudden now we've got three months of issues built up and anger and frustration. And it's so oftentimes it's just like if we can address it early. You know, it, it, it's a lot less heat in that moment. So what we say is just consistently it's saving coaches time and energy. Yeah, I think a lot of parents are afraid to come to coaches with issues. And one of my other conversations that I like to have with parents, there's two more, I think I gave you three earlier, but one, one of those is when you have something that's been frustrating for your long time, I was like, hey, we're all gonna get frustrated at something, but after 24, 40 hours, you still bothered by something? Like, I would rather you go to me than you go to the other parents, you go to your son or your daughter, or you go to administration, and you just create this toxic environment Because you to your point there. Uh, the other thing there, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, is around playing time. I am going to, as a coach, and my coaches I work with, they are really good at figuring out, hey, this is how we determine playing time, and then communicating that. I don't think a lot of coaches actually even really know how they determine playing time. They just go mostly off field. So this is actually our process for determining this is how, and then we communicate that to the the athletes and parents, the process, but then we're consistently communicating why they're moving up, why they're moving down and, and we're really explicit. So in that process, but one of the conversations I I would, I encourage coaches to be open to, and I say it to parents is it's okay. You're not going to agree with all my decisions around playing time. That's fine. But if you're like really confused and don't understand it, and that's a problem, then it's a problem for your son or daughter, and then then I'm open to having a conversation. I'm going to encourage them to say, I would first like to have it with your son or your daughter. But there's a there's so many parents out there that are so they we just constantly see this excuse of like, well, they're not comfortable coming to you. And so, okay, like I'm gonna to try to bring them into the conversation with the parent. And then we're going to develop those skills to be able to have more conversations with me. Um, I don't personally, you know, like that, you know, reason I'd rather just be me and the player and that's a great learning opportunity for them. But I recognize that with some of this new generation that these young athletes are having a hard time having those conversations with an adult. And so they might feel better with their parent there.
0: Ah, This is, this is making me think now. Coming out of this from a parent perspective, this is this is the first interview I've done with us here. This is good. Um, I I think that from from my kids starting to play sport, and obviously I've got a background in sport, I still find it difficult to watch him struggle. Still find it difficult to watch my seven year old not get a kick of the ball. Or I can now see why parents who haven't got sport backgrounds struggle to watch their players go through setbacks, um, the downs of the game, which there's more downs than ups, as we all know. Where, where, where I'm going with this is, at least I can then, I feel, I can put it in perspective at the end and be like, no, this I actually needs more of this. He needs he needs tough days. He needs to be mm-hmm. walking away and getting beat 5-0 and he needs to not get a kick of the ball and he needs to be substituted every now and again. they will do no harm. But, but the parents I, I can now see why some parents if it's the whole watching your kid play they're struggling you feel as if you want to intervene or to help but in reality going back to the interventions before from a coach it's actually probably better if the parent takes a little bit of backseat so using that kind of perspective for me then and and assuming that a lot of parents struggle with that there and I really enjoyed this like you wrote you wrote a blog about hell week being beneficial and i want to put a link below this for the coaches to read about i think i understand where you're coming from about teaching resilience and and putting them in in safe situations where they can you can question commitment put these things into action but then going from a parent standpoint you're like you're going to go home and your son or daughter is going to say well that was really hard and they don't like the way that's here and so how do you as a coach navigate through Hey, the ups and downs of the game, I'm gonna teach you through that. And the parent is is you're gonna need that parent on side.
1: Yeah. Well, there's two things I'd like to mention in this. One is that back to your earlier point around, you know, building resilience and and you know, parents wanting to intervene. I think I think parents in, in some cases are looking to intervene because coaches now are actually being held to a bit different standard than than they were 20, 30 years ago. And sometimes that standard is unreasonable, but sometimes the, re- the reality is a lot of coaching that went out there was just not just ineffective, but it was actually harmful and hurtful. And as, a, as an athlete myself, uh, I had an emotionally abusive coach in high school, um, and he was removed two years after I, I had graduated. And the the damage that he did to, to some of those individuals, now he is loved by a lot of individuals that played for him, but he did a lot of damage to some young men. And so I think there's more of a call to action and more accountability for coaches today. But I think there's a bit of a pendulum swing where it's also now it's too much, too much just jumping in there the second time, a a second a coach makes it difficult. So when you think about like the hell week or a boot camp experience, it could be over a week. It could be over a day. um, It could be just finishing practice with some tough, tough conditioning drills. And I know that there's probably a lot of people in the coaching community that will push back on this because they, stay with well, the science and this and that and it's just like for me like you said it's a safe environment hey we're going to go do some hard stuff together ideally the coach gets out there and does it with them right um but we're going to do a hard competitive you know conditioning drill here at the end or we're going to do a couple days or it's just going to be absolutely brutally hard and tough but we're going to have this shared suffering shared suffering brings the individuals together um it's a positive environment it's all hey i know this is hard but i believe in you it's not demeaning to kids so you just really essentially design some really tough conditioning fitness type elements you know get them out there get them in the mud get them get them doing stuff that really pushes and stretches them i think there is obviously been a really good push for more sports specific training i totally get that you know like we used to go run like three four five miles as a basketball team but but like a cross-country workout really is not does not translate to, you know, basketball fitness, for instance, when I was an athlete, but there is still something to be said of your teams out there. You're just running on the beach together or you're running through some hills. Like there is just something that is gained from that. And I don't know, I can't have, I don't science to back it up. I have the experience of myself as an athlete. I have my own experience as a coach that just getting our athletes to do hard things that aren't, this isn't maybe totally correlated to, the perfect design, physical, you know, development that we want, but it just builds toughness, you know, but we have to do it in the right environment. I believe in you. I know this is tough, but you got a choice. You know, you can quit, you can keep going, you know, just just framing that environment in that way is really, really important.
0: No, I, I completely agree. I think there's there's more to gain from that than there is to gain from a soccer exercise of trying to juggle the ball into a, a trash can. Uh, like, I, I just don't see that. I think that's a waste of time. And honestly, to so go back to what you say there, I think you are you're, you're said there about people might push back on it. But I think if if people do push back, then at least you're starting a conversation. And if you're starting a conversation then at least, you know, people can communicate and help each other around this. Where I think talk about the pendulum swinging, where I think the pendulum swinging just in society in general is someone saying, well, that's wrong and that's right. And that's how mm-hmm. I my life, and I think actually, like I, I, again, one one of many things I enjoyed from reading the book was like there's there's things I I, I agreed with, things I disagreed with in terms of processes that I, I put a club coaching hat on and said, yeah. oh, if I was a coach, why would I think, why well, wouldn't do that? But but one thing I enjoyed about it was like, you're trying to move the needle here. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like you're not just you're not just putting a philosophy hat on and saying that it's going to solve all your problems. Like you're. You're asking coaches to challenge current methods. You're asking people to challenge thought processes. I think there's more of that needed today.
1: Yeah. And, and, and there's so many things that are that are outlined in the book and so many different strategies and they have all worked for different coaches, but not any coach that I work with has done them all and they would not all work for every coach, right? But they've all been shown to be effective at various levels in different ways. So I think that, to your point there, too, is I think, yeah, everyone wants to say, well, this is the right way or that's the wrong way, you know, and we get so sport specific. I mean, you know, you could probably make an argument that me working as a young man and, um, you know, a minimum wage job installing heat in the air conditioning systems in South Carolina in 115 degree heat had nothing to do to prepare me to do what I'm doing today. Not aligned, right? Like, oh, I could have been on the fast track to, you know, do more things that were related to my profession I wanted to choose. But the things like that build character, they build toughness. And so that, that's kind of why I am a, a big believer in, you know, something like, like, like the Hell Week or the boot camp. Um, and just also just doing things that are uncomfortable, that are uncomfortable for the coaches and for the, for the parents and for the athletes. And some of the things that we talk about in there, like I challenged my coaches on, you know, was bringing parents into the locker room after a game. One, one of my coaches did that last year after the winning the conference championship. The other one did it after they lost a big end of the season game. One was emotions really positive. The other one was emotions really down. Both those coaches were like, you're crazy. you got to be kidding me. I was like, dude, just try it. They went and did it and both walked out of there and like, man, that was so powerful. It was so powerful for the parents. It was powerful for the players to be in that that moment. There was raw emotion. And, and the winning coach, you know, he just – the parents got to hear the messaging, right, about character and the behaviors and not still about the results coach that lost same thing and he actually allowed the parents to speak into the kids lives and and that was powerful so you know it's just constantly trying new things that are oftentimes you know we're a little bit uncomfortable in ourselves as coaches i think there's a lot of opportunity for growth there
0: yeah i think there's part of you as a coach that it requires that, like I said, I think there's a little bit, little bit too much groupthink. I think in the coach community today, and and I think different perspectives and different ideas around trying to get different responses in environments, I think is much needed. And there's a lot of sports that are doing it way better than soccer, so I think that's that's also needed. The journey of a coach. There's a line in in uh, in your website that I thought was really powerful. Let's be honest being a coach today can feel isolating and and you talked about there about the mental health that the problems that are going on around the world i think coaches are involved in that as well i think a lot of coaches i'm sure in, in your your work you're seeing a lot of people struggling a lot of people disconnected with their families their staff their team uh it's a challenge to get through that there so one question i want to ask you on that quote about the isolation was was how do you help a coach kind of Go through the challenges of leadership—that tough job. Like, what? What are some ways that you that you work through that?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you, I had been told, you know, ten years ago that I'd be doing what I'm doing now, I would be like, "What? What is that?" <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> the, the reality is, it's the sports world is very behind in this, though, because, you know, my wife works in the corporate world; she works for Google now, and and. Like leadership coaching is just very, like it's been around for all 20, almost 30 years. And the the best leaders, like it used to, coaching used to be for poor performers Mm. in the corporate world. Now it's actually for high performers. You know, the the, the top level leaders, they get coaches. The company pays for that. So I kind of fell into this. I, I went to a very isolating period in my coaching journey where I just felt like I was on an island and I was trying everything I could to, to improve the culture, to win some games. And in that moment, I had come across a few books and reached out to one of the authors and started a coaching relationship with, with him. His name was Jamie Gilbert. And man, it was, one of those, it was the most impactful thing I did for my leadership. To have someone as a sounding board, hey, I'm thinking this, poke holes in it that wasn't emotionally attached to it, to give me real feedback on certain things, to ask me really powerful questions, to help me take different perspectives or maybe expand my perspective, you know? So, you know, that experience itself was just so profound and it just became this just catalyst for change in my own leadership, which then I started wanting to really like help other coaches. I kind of initially started when I started my business, you know, seven years ago. I did what a lot of people are doing was like, oh, do the workshops and the team building things and the speaking. And then I quickly was like, but that's not what I needed. I needed someone to hop on the call with. After a really tough practice or once a week, hop in a call and say, help me to get more upstream when it comes to some of our culture things. And I'll sort of fix the things that are coming downstream at you. And sometimes those things are coming fast and it can feel absolutely overwhelming. And your staff, the coaches around you, you don't feel like you can trust them, or they're gonna give you a really great perspective, or they're emotionally attached. Your spouse, they're emotionally attached to it. And I'm so for me, I'm able to be in their corner, but also a little bit, but a little bit removed from the situation. To the point that I'm able to kind of help them to get on the balcony to really see what's going on there, right? To get off that dance floor, get up on the balcony, really observe what's going on for themselves. You know, what, might, what might be coming up for them, what they might be struggling with personally. So a lot of my work is, yeah, it's about the team and how do we build culture. And it's using some, you know, I'm doing some consulting and here's some strategies to build culture. But a lot of it is just focusing on the person, that person, the coach. And what, what's difficult for them, it's making sure that they can stay centered and grounded and they're doing the things that they need to show up
0: so they can be at their best for their team. Say, I hate the word balance because it just doesn't exist in coaching. Like if you have a passion for something, you're dealing with 50 problems a day and you're trying to solve them. You can't park it. I'm sure you can't park it. Some people might be able to, but I think the majority can't. It's nearly impossible for you not to take it home. But what are some ways that... that you talk about working with a the person there what are some ways and again i don't like when a balance getting that better home life structured with the person
1: yeah i think one of the big things too is just integration i think to start off with i think like if you're going to be a coach and you're really going to go in all in on coaching you know you better make that decision as a family and so you better be bringing people in like you're bringing your kids to practice like those types of things you know you're uh, your, your your spouse, like they they should have some interest in it, hopefully as well, or it's just going to be really difficult, you know, just to completely separate that. Um, with my other coaches, I mean, I had a coach call this morning, coach got up at 5am, he's just had a new baby two months ago, his, his call is at 5am, because that's the only time that worked for him, but he values that 45 minutes with me once a week. And, you know, it's a lot of that is, yeah, hey, what's coming up for the team, but we're also just checking in on some of those disciplines and you know, with a three-year-old and a two-month-old, you know, finding time to work out, which is really important to him, is difficult. So we just kind of just troubleshooted just where are some times there that he could fit that in, how he might change that, give himself, helping him to give himself grace that he wasn't hitting his five days a week that he had hoped to do, um, but just kind of recognizing what he can make as far as changes. And, you know, for him, it was like, you know what, I'm, I like lifting weights, but I'm going to go out and get the jogger out and run with my kid you know, when I get home after practice, you know, and that way I'm spending some time with my kid, but I'm also outside getting some exercise. So it really is just trying to build some healthy disciplines and habits in your life, whether it's around exercise, meditation, journaling, reflection, getting coaching or mentorship um, that are really important. I think the, the thing also things that we don't do or just kind of things we stop doing, disconnecting from the phones in the evenings, uh, stop checking emails, you know, stop checking Twitter social media after certain hours so that we can just be at home, be present and not live in that world where we're just constantly stressed or constantly checking our email. And then that parent complaint is coming in or, or we're having this issue. I think one of the big things is most things can wait. Most things can wait, but we don't live in a world where people you know, create those boundaries. So it's, it's about creating those boundaries as well. It's just like, hey, I'm gonna deal with that when I can get to it and um, but there, these are times where I'm blocking off because this the most important thing is my family or you know or it is recovery time for me as a person so just creating a little bit of boundaries difficult in season absolutely but just always
0: trying to work with coaches to figure out what's getting in the way for them so they can make that commitment yeah delete delete Twitter off your phone and, and your life will change. I would say with God it doesn't have free up a couple of hours a day for you to get some productive stuff done and so more energy as well. Our right, last couple for you JP if if uh, if you went into a club tomorrow and you had 50 coaches, you had hundred teams and they said right, need better leadership here. Of course, everyone's always looking for better leadership. Where on earth would you start?
1: There are three big things I'd say right away that, that you're going to want to do. One is I would want to ground expectations with that club, which is if you've got 50 coaches, right? I think that's what you said, 50 coaches, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've got 50 coaches. Not everyone's going to be drinking the Kool-Aid very quickly. And it is most cultural change starts with a small group. It starts with one or two people. Um, and I think everyone's seen that YouTube video where there's the, you know, they're at this big – festival and the one guy starts dancing and a few more yeah, people yeah. start dancing right so i want you to think about that right so like that's what i always tell organizations right but now who's going to take to it and so whatever you do you got to make sure you're committed to the long haul like it's not you know but um so a big thing would be remember just to have that in the back of your mind i'd want to coach education i've you know i've, I've launched a course on leadership and culture building that's really really practical not theoretical that coaches can really take and apply and i'd want them to have something like that like some every coach is going to have some sort of certification here on leadership and culture and i think there's a lot of coaching courses and the soccer is great i think probably in the the most american sports as far as asking coaches to get those levels of certification i've seen those evaluated but coaches really need stuff that comes practical when it comes to relationship building and culture building that they can incorporate within their toolbox so we want to expose them to all of that for sure um i think sitting down with key stakeholders and people that have a that are kind of like ready to start drinking the kool-aid and getting them to really come up with not just a or what's our philosophy but what is our system for how we're going to actually evolve the culture of the club what does that mean that could be we're going to have, in some of my you know clubs or athletic departments, it's once a month, coaches are getting together for an hour to talk about something that they might, a podcast they listen to, right? A book that they were reading. Um, it could be we're setting up peer coaching groups, right? Hey, where we're, we're going to be coaching. We're going to watch each other's practice and give each other feedback, right? But we're going to have certain things that come back to our values. We're all here. Like yeah, I'm a big believer in this we're all going to approach discipline in this way. Like if you go to an effective high, you know, and I talk about this in my book, both of my books, but effective schools have a discipline system. This is how we discipline and it's grounded in science and research around human behavior. Well, I think to have one coach yelling and screaming to athletes, right. And another coach just constantly make his players run every time they don't do what they're supposed to be doing. Like, right? You're just you're, going against the cultural values so often that we ascribe to. So having some research-based approach to, towards discipline. Um, well, some of my clubs, they have across the, the board, they might have all commit to like player development plans where every coach you know, writes up, has at least one or two or three, like three meetings, start of the year, middle of the year, end of the year, just short, write up on each player, what they've committed to, those types of goals, and what they're going to do to support this player and that, and those goals. So we have player development plans, but whatever it is, we make sure that we have, Hey, all of our teams, we're all going to do a few of these things that align with our values. So great story about this is like the Chicago Cubs back, you know, they won the world series in 2017. Well, Theo Epstein four or five years prior to that, when he took over, he got the whole organization together and they came up with the Cubs way and it was their philosophy. One of their core values of uh, their four core values was we will value the development of every single player in the organization. That sounds great, right? We're going to value the development of every single player in the whole organization, all our farm teams, all that. But what do they do? They had player develop plans. They were one of the first major league baseball organizations to do this. And this is crazy in 2012, you could think this, but they stopped just hiding the file on the player in the coach's office. They started bringing that out. They started sitting down with the player and saying, Hey, what are your goals? What are your aspirations? What do you need to do to improve and start working with those players? So here we have a value, but we also have the system, which is regular player meetings. It might be the thing that your club needs. It may not be plausible, but the idea is we have ways that the values, the mission is brought together through the things that we do, our procedures, processes, and methods. So yes, coach education, but then sitting down with the organization as a whole, and or some key stakeholders and figuring out what's our philosophy and our system within the club
0: love it love it um you mentioned there a little bit about the the packages the the community membership package for someone who's listened to this and and wants to dig a little bit deeper into your work and obviously you do the the one-to-one stuff uh there's the books there the community membership as well that gets you everything on there
1: yeah, we have like probably around like 15 or 16 hours now at this point of online different courses that we have a whole like 35 minutes around playing time. How do you do playing time? How do you communicate? How do you address that issue? Right? Different activities. We've got a course in the competitive cauldron that has a spreadsheet for coaches that use that all the time to create you a know, competitive cauldron in their practices. Uh, very very similar to what Anson Dorns does at North Carolina. Um, we got all these courses that, that we offer we got a, a WhatsApp group chat that coaches are constantly asking each other questions on giving each other feedback on just different things that come up, uh, kind of like some, some group mentorship, you know, and, and, that group chat. So, and just so many different team building activities that are for different issues, you know, that might come up, different problems or different things that coaches want to focus on. So, um, that's kind of like a, like a total package thing that that we offer there for coaches, just trying to give them, practical resources that they can just take and they can bring back their team um and so we you know all these things not every coach can do all of them it's about having stuff that they need right based upon their context
0: fantastic fantastic we'll put the the links below for that um and then uh, if you're okay i'll i'll stick your email on there as well if you're okay with coaches contacting you
1: yeah that's fine yep
0: brilliant fantastic jp the IR has flown. Fantastic. I've loved it. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, well, appreciate you having me on the podcast here. And you asked them really good, challenging questions. So I love that. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kurnine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.